Hi, this is Tim. This is just a heads up that all the advice you're hearing in this podcast is general in nature. If you want something more specific, then feel free to contact us. Drunk accountant, drunk accountant, drunk, drunk, drunk accountant, drunk accountant, drunk accountant, drunk, drunk, drunk accountant, drunk accountant, drunk accountant, drunk accountant, drunk accountant, Hello and welcome to the podcast. My name is Dan. And I'm Tim. And we're here with Lisa Margan, the Managing Director of Margan Wines. Thanks that's, for, that's me. Yeah, thanks welcome. For, welcome to Margan. Thanks for coming. No, thanks, thanks for having, for having us. us. Yeah, this is a beautiful spot. Like uh, I haven't been to Margan before. And yeah, yeah. From, the, from the moment I pulled up, it's beautiful. It is beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we're sitting in our barrel room. So this yeah. is a living, working barrel room. All of these barrels that you can see that way, um, mm. beautiful French oak, mm. all it's expensive, wonderful. all full of wine. <laughs> yeah. and, uh, and then we use this space for an event space additional to that as well. So Yeah. yeah. No, it's like great. It. I feel like a lot of wine has been drunk in this room. <laughs> a lot of wine, a lot of good times. <laughs> <laughs> so awesome. today's episode is another, um, another episode of our Brewing a Business series. Mm-hmm. And today we're going to be speaking to Lisa about her journey. Mm. Um, setting up this business, working through it, things that have happened along the way, the why. Um, yeah. So let's, let's dive into that. So the first question that we usually ask everybody is why are you in business with yourself? <laughs> you yeah, know? good question. Yeah. <laughs> why did you decide to, to start this? Okay, so my background, um, high school teacher once upon a time, married right. a winemaker, so moved from Sydney to the Hunter Valley. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to re- I'd always wanted to be a chef, so after a uni degree, I retrained um, to be a chef. Uh, did that for a couple of years here in the Valley. Andrew was a winemaker at Tyrrells at the time. And, mm. uh, and then we had the opportunity to move to France. Bordeaux is a pretty beautiful wine region there. Mm. So Amazing. we just, yeah, moved there. I cooked and he made wine. So that informed... Um, we learned a whole lot of stuff. Uh, what we learned, or basically, it formed the start of the idea for Margan nice. in terms of uh, winery, wine tourism. And wine tourism, this is um, back in the early 90s, that wasn't a thing necessarily. Mm, yeah. It's a thing now. Yeah, yeah for sure. Um, but back then, it wasn't necessarily. So mm. we you know, started formulating our plan of how cool would it be to ultimately come back to the valley and do something like this, like this. So. That's the integration of wine with food, vineyard, yeah. um, and, and hosting your guests on site so you can really connect with your brand. So that's the idea. So we hatched that idea in France and mm. came back and did ultimately do that. So. As you say, I mean, that is obviously um, a very popular thing these days. But mm. at the time, did that feel like a fairly bold move to uh, be de- making? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, people ask now when... So our, busy, uh, our, our business is completely different now to what it yeah. was. Mm. It's in its 24th year. And mm. I think that if we had a crystal ball way back then of what it looks like today, we bo- both would have gone, I don't think we can do that. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have, we don't have a, a business degree. So mm. there, there's that. You know, People who start businesses come with a skill set yes. mm. and they're very proficient in their area mm. but don't necessarily have that business degree so then how do you run a business successfully well you Mm. obviously back yourself with uh, good accountants is Mm. the very first (laughs) thing you would say and surround yourself with 
the right people who fill the gaps in for you. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Do you feel like a part of what's what's got you to this point though is having that very strong vision around why you were doing it? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So vision was crystal clear. Um, I do a lot of work with our team now on, well, it used to be called HR now, people and performance. So yeah, okay. I do all of that in our business and very much talk our business values. We have yeah. five um, key business values, which we didn't necessarily establish when we established the business. Mm. Too busy just like doing things, yes, yeah. getting yes. things done with just the two of you. Absolutely. Um, yeah. But over time, you work out, huh, it seems like our vision is still very crystal clear and it yeah. seems like that is underpinned by these values. So we did go through that exercise. All right, sit down. Mm. You on a bit of paper and me on a bit of paper, write down what we yeah. think our values are. Yeah. And our values for our business very much re reflect our personal values. And mm. then it informs literally every business decision. So that connection of vision and values, mm. so important. Yeah, because absolutely. if you get that bit right, it connects with the why. Mm. And absolutely. then you can actually support your your. Uh, team leaders and managers, they well, you, you empower them because you basically, if they're coming to you with a question and a decision to be made, the reply to that is, well, what do we value? Yeah. Okay, we value that, 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 that and that. Yeah. So the answer to that would be mm. that. I totally yeah. agree. I, and I think, um, have you found that your customers can then also, are they buying more than just wine from you? Are they buying those values? Yeah, so as a, as a brand, and, and again, when we launched, we were a business, now we're a brand. Mm. And we have a brand following who follow us for the right reasons. Mm. Um, and you know, you, you can't be all things to all people. We learned that yeah. a long time ago. You can be inspired by a business and think, oh, we should do that, we should do that. But again, if that's not connecting with your why, mm. your reason for being, you say, well, that makes no sense for us to yep. do that. That's not us. It doesn't feel authentic. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So. yeah. I think I've been saying this a lot lately, but the why definitely informs the how. Definitely. So if you don't have a why, then your yeah. how is going to be all over the place. Totally. You know, what you do can be different and not congruent. Totally. And then you're going to end up with, you know, either not being happy with what you're doing yeah. or it not being as successful as it could have been. Yeah. So, yeah, I think definitely starting with that strong vision helps. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And I think like in this region too, there's hundreds of winemakers um, situated all around you. And I guess in most winemaking regions there are too. But you guys being so strong on your purpose differentiates you from Yeah, and also being being strong on your USP. Yeah. What makes what makes us special. Yeah. Um, and you know, I I asked the question of our business of ourselves, if we closed our doors tomorrow, who would miss you? Yeah. yeah. And that's a really great way to kind of work yes. out what is your USP and yeah. how are you important and to who are you important? Mm, yeah. So sometimes if you, you know, it's easy to think, well, we make alcohol and we do food, so it's not like we're saving lives. <laughs> you know, that, that's an easy one. You know, if you're a, a, a scientist or a researcher, yeah. there's mm. lots of people who would miss you. Yeah. But if you can actually make that, that relevance to your business, who would miss you if yeah. you close the doors? It helps yeah. isolate your USP mm. yeah. and then it helps identify where you want to strengthen and yeah. market that USP. That's, yeah, that's a great question. Mm. Who would miss you? Yeah. I know. All right, yeah. you too. Who's going to miss you? Oh, well, yeah. Not many. We're accountants, yeah. so not many. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, speaking about 
so we've gone through your why and your vision, everything mm. you've had, but, and I said, that informs the how. So let's, let's go with the how. Yeah. How did you start it? So what was the first step? You, you got a piece of land and you thought, all right, we're going to make wine on it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. well, we, were, we already had this property. Yeah, okay. um, and before we went to France, we planted a little vineyard, yeah. um, oh. just like three acres. And whilst we're overseas, Tyrrells ran that vineyard for us in t- just in terms of the maintenance yeah. of it. Cool. Um, and then that was the start of the launch of the brand. We also, so when, you've, when you're launching um, a business and you've got no capital, <laughs> mm. so it's just kind of you in a bank, mm. how, ha, number one, how do you get that loan? Because in those yeah. days, mm. interest rates were 18%. Yeah. So wow. that's a pretty different world we're living that in is. now. <laughs> so like our first home mortgage was on 18%. Oh my God. I yeah. know you think and you just think, how? how? Just yeah. how? Mm. Yeah. And so business finance was expensive as well. Mm. Um, hard to get when you've got no runs on the board. Yep. So we actually, we liaised with um, the Hunter Valley Wine Society and we got a forward purchase order. Wow. So that was that was a, a, a lovely bit of faith of them to say, yeah. you haven't even made this wine. Jeez. Here's a purchase order for it. So yeah. with the purchase order, we were able to take that to a bank and say, we promise this is in, sort yeah. of going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit theoretical at the moment, but yeah. there is a vineyard. There are grapes growing on it. There will be wine. Yeah. And, yeah. and if all the stars line up, yep. um, that's what's going to happen. So wow. with that, that basically was our deposit, if you will, for our business. Wow. And the rest is just us, us in a bank the whole way through. So, wow. yeah, and then over, over time we have um, expanded on what we do. Mm. Um, we did a bit of contract winemaking in the early days when you're basically making wine for other people. People. So sure. from a cash flow perspective, that's fantastic yeah. because that gives you cash flow right at vintage time when you've got a lot of expenses sure. happening. Sure. Um, so, so that is, happened. Is that similar um, to say like freelancing almost? Mm, yeah, yeah, for a winemaker. Yeah, yeah. totally. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So we had cool. the winery. We've got the infrastructure. Yeah. In mm. this region, there's a lot of smaller vineyards who um, bought. Um, a vineyard for an investment purpose yeah. back in the days when there were um, some some great tax concessions around that sure. mm. that all got removed so mm-hmm. these days may if you think you're buying a vineyard and hope to make some money mm. that's not going <laughs> to necessarily <laughs> happen it. it's harder than you think so yeah. you know they say a great way to make a small fortune in the wine industry is start with a large one yeah, so <laughs> yeah. and that is really really true so so in any wine region you've got your wine lover who's mm. an investor and they yeah. the, the, they've got their significant income from elsewhere and then this is their passion and their folly Mm. and they're like i don't care if this bleeds me money this is what i love so so therefore you you need to find a winemaker to make your wine because you're a lawyer yeah yeah that's not your thing (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah, 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 for sure so So that that is kind of the next step i guess you you started making these wine for other people and then were you also making your own brand at the same time or did that start later? So it, it started with the contract winemaking because yeah. that provided a, a better business plan because yep. it had revenue and mm. an assurance of cash flow. Mm. Yep. Whereas I think I might start a wine brand has literally mm. zero assurance of mm. a cash flow. Definitely. So it started with contract winemaking and we thought, yeah, we'll just make a little bit of our own. Mm. Margin, that sounds reasonable and logical. That, that'll be the name. Mm. Um, and yeah, what we do, like a couple of thousand cases, so not much tiny, tiny baby amount. Yep. 
and uh, and then we just found uh, so the the really key thing for wineries is distribution because mm. otherwise all you're doing is stockpiling wine in, in a shed. <laughs> yeah, you sure. actually the significant <laughs> bit is getting it out yeah. to people. Yeah, so, sure. <laughs> um, so yeah, so f- we found really amazing distribution in Sydney and Victoria, which we were right. very lucky to have. It was more yeah, of right. a timing thing, wow. right, right time, right place. Wow. And Andrew's connections through Tyrrell's or his credibility as a winemaker. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Margan. Then all of a sudden, the Margan brand kind of moved, yeah. and so over time, so fast forward twenty four years, we're now twenty five thousand case brand, wow. and we have. Um, distribution, Eastern Seaboard mainly, and then export markets as well. So that Ish. that's all been added on um, in terms of the um, additional infrastructure. Um, mm. We now have a hundred hectares of vineyards, so we've bought four extra vineyards over yeah. time. Yeah. Um, yeah. The property that we're sitting on was next door. We bought next door, which is now us. Okay, um, right. Um, so we we live next door, yeah. um, and and then we've built all of this. So yeah. winery first, which was ostensibly shed in paddock, colour mm. bond shed in paddock, yep. Yep. with a lot of expensive equipment, yep. and then we bought, built the pretty bits yeah. um, over time. So 2007, we launched um, the Celador, as you see at the mm. restaurant, yep. operations, the bar room, admin, all of yep. that. So, so that was our big investment. So you had yeah. this idea when you went to France that you wanted to bring back this this wine tourism. And no, so, not, but, not but when it took we you 10 there. years? To, uh, yeah. When we moved there, it was really just, you know, yeah. we were young and we wanted an adventure. And yeah, right. hey, who doesn't want to go there and learn that so um, it was only when we were there and starting to formulate that plan of well really do we stay in France and there was Mm. an opportunity there we also had our first child over there with us as well so it was like "Mm, okay come back or stay Mm. so yeah that was a real sliding doors moment yeah for sure but after a few years Mm. we thought no Australia's a pretty good place to live and you know bring up a family and maybe we could do our own business so yeah. that's how that it sounds like andrew's connections in the local industry here were very useful as well for, for sure for when you were getting things up and running like with that the winemaking that you were doing um like you said that puts a floor under your feet even though that's mm. not the ideal um service that you want to be doing or, or product that you want to be selling um but it, it is interesting that you built up over time and i guess it must be weird looking back now um, to see everything you've built up and how far you've come. Mm. Um, what, what do you think things could look like into the future from here? Um, the, well, that's interesting because we've got three children and they're all starting to kind of, they've been off at uni. Yeah. They've all graduated. Finally, we've got three graduates. <laughs> for the love of God, finally show me a graduate is what we've been saying for a while. <laughs> Was that so harder than building the business, building the children? Uh, something like that. Well, actually, we... we Start, I had a young family at the same time as you've yeah, got a young business. Yeah, so yeah. I look back on that and think, I have no idea how <laughs> we did all of that. And um, kids in a rural region, there's a lot of running around after in terms of driving. For sure. Three sporty kids, you know, one played rugby in a state team, so I'd have to yeah, drive wow. into Sydney mm. to train t- twice a week. So, you know, you just add that on to the end Jeez. of your working day. That's um, Yeah, so anyway, they've all gone off to uni. They're all starting to come back now. Um, the eldest, Ollie, he's been in Adelaide for um, almost 10 years, um, did a double degree in viticulture and winemaking. Yeah, cool. He arrived home last night, actually. Oh, um, nice. Yeah, yeah, so it, it, yeah, it, it's, it's great to have him back. So cool. he'll work out how he integrates back into the business. Brilliant. Um, daughter 
went to UTS in Sydney and did a comms um, business degree. Yeah, cool. That could be useful. No, she doesn't (laughs) want to do that anymore. (laughs) Plus, she's also worked in amazing hatted restaurants as a, you know, uni kid. Wow, yeah. So you'd think she'd come back and run the restaurant and give her mother a break. No, she doesn't want to do that either. (laughs) (laughs) Give her time. No, she's she's out in the vineyards. So um, she's signed up to do viticulture next year online. And she's a real green champion. So she's... Um, driving a conversion of this property to organics. It's amazing. Nice. Yeah, it is amazing. So, mm. yep, she's just decided that connection to nature makes her happy. Brilliant. And then the younger one um, just graduated from Sydney Uni with business. Yep. Um, and he's got his first job at Macquarie Bank, albeit in his bedroom. He's just integrating back into <laughs> offices now. Yeah. So starting oh a God. new job in the middle of oh. COVID. Yeah. It's like, it's not what I imagined. Yeah. It, it's all about the suit and the Friday afternoon drinks. I'm not getting that. <laughs> So yeah, so he's he'll stay in Sydney a bit longer. But um, you know, we worked with um, not we've certainly had accounting conversations in regards to succession planning, and I'm sure you guys are across a lot of that with your clients. Um, very important with farming businesses as well. Yeah, absolutely. um, Because inheritance and all of that ties into, obviously we live on this property, so Mm. a lot of that is quite tangled up Mm. into that. So we've had those conversations, but I actually engaged... um, uh, through Colin Law, actually, and yeah. I know you've got that. This mm. is our connection when yeah. he was with CBA. Mm-hmm. Um, he was working with a, kind of like a, somebody who had a best explain so mm. EQ stuff, so mm. okay. emotional and intelligent stuff. Right, right. So it was more about getting in touch with with your personal values. Yeah, beautiful. Um, living an authentic life, etc. Cool. So I went to that little workshop that Cole hooked me into yep. and then I got this guy to do just a family session nice. with us. Nice. Yes. So the kids are sort of turned up, they're like, what is, what's happening? <laughs> Take your shoes off, we're doing a bit of meditation. They're like, Andrew's like, I don't know, your mother's organised this. <laughs> yeah. like, I had no part of this. Mom, what, what's happening? <laughs> so that just go, awesome. go with the flow. And then he basically just ran this session. It went for three hours, but... Part of it was, okay, who he thinks, I'm asking you three kids, who he thinks is one winemaker for the next generation? Well, they all put their hand up. (laughs) Who he thinks it goes to the eldest son? They all put their hand up. Who else would like to be a winemaker? They all put their hand up. So it was all these conversations Mm. that we've never had with them and all these um, assumptions Mm. that have been made and we were pretty sure we never made those assumptions, but wow. the, the kids all kind of assumed a role. Okay, well, if the ol- oldest is the winemaker, I guess yep. that's what he's doing. So I guess I need to do the marketing wow. um, and I guess I need to do business wow. because that's the spots. So There you go. There you go. I mean, that is such a huge learning. That is... A, when we do business planning, we should mm. start with meditation, Dan. Yeah. <laughs> Take your shoes off. That's yeah. right, little arm. I like yeah. that idea. But B, I mean, you can't assume these things, especially with succession planning. Yeah. Um, Assumptions. T- yeah. Like, we were blown away. Mm. Blown away. And my yeah. husband was like, then we're feeling like we're bad parents or like <laughs> we've locked them into these degrees I don't want to do. Um, so yeah. it was kind of, it blew everyone's mind. Wow. And then off the back of that, yeah, these different pathways. So, mm. I mean, Ollie basically said and he was the one doing the wine degree he said because um, also what he does in Adelaide is runs bars and restaurants mm, and he's, yeah, well. he's in fact very well known in in that world mm. um, so he said I might not be a winemaker yep. 
but I feel like that's what you want, Dad. Wow. So then yeah. there's that. And he said, you know, I love the hospitality pathway. So, yeah. And at the moment, you know, my career with, you know, like he, he just won Barman of the Year and got flown to New York wow. and yeah. pretty amazing. So yeah. he said, I, I feel like Dad's wanting me to come back and, you know, mm. run the winery, yeah. okay. but yeah. I feel like I've got a different pathway. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I think that is such a good thing for the listeners to hear because... Succession planning is a massive, massive challenge. And like you said, it's even bigger for you. You're not just transitioning a business across. You're transitioning a whole property. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Especially an idea that you gave birth to um, 20, 25 years ago when you first bought this land and mm. started planting your vines. Mm. So they would almost feel like babies as well. Yeah, <laughs> your yeah children. for sure. And for, yeah. for Andrew, he's, um, that exercise brought out his... Um, deep-seated um, feelings around a legacy mm. and that's very much a, a wine family thing, yeah, a generational sure. thing. His father was in the wine business, um, n- nothing to do with this property, but mm. that's how he was introduced into the wine yeah. world. Yeah, wow. Then, So he's quite strong on this legacy, but for me, my perspective is I would just rather our kids do what makes them happy. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And if it's not on this property, that's fine because we've got an amazing mm. team of yep. uh, managers, team leaders. Mm. So if this is a one generational yep. thing and we fold it, I- I'm okay with that. Yeah, Whereas yeah. Andrew's like, <gasps> yeah. I want the legacy. And it's like, well, mate, you're going to be dead. So like, <laughs> what, what, like, really, what does it matter? So it was, it just provoked all these conversations. Yeah, so I think that's brilliant. That, yeah, that it's session it's ended. We all needed it's just like beers. We need to go and get a beer. <laughs> a that that, that was pretty hectic. <laughs> that's uh, how long ago was that? Uh, that that was two two three years ago. There you yeah, go. three years ago. Well, it's, it's funny to me that when you're talking about your daughter, you know, doing this degree and then came out, actually, no, I don't want to do this. I want to do something else. Yeah, that seems to me like that's you thirty years ago, or forty yeah. years ago. Oh, totally, yeah. totally. <laughs> you know, you did this teaching degree and then mm. you decided, no, I don't want to do that. I want to do I want to be a chef. So you went and did that. And then when I actually came, what I I missed out when I came back from France because we had had our one, two, third child. Mm. By then, um, or second child, I did my master's degree and um, converted my first degree, which was ostensibly a science degree, Mm. converted that to nutrition. So I worked at Mm. Maitland Hospital as a nutritionist. So when we launched our business, I was on maternity leave with James, our third. Mm -hmm. um, And I I never went back, but I thought I would go back and nutrition is my passion so so is cooking Mm. but that very much informs how i run our restaurant Mm, because the connect um we've yeah you haven't seen it but out out that way um Mm. we've got a one hectare kitchen garden which is all grown organically amazing and my major thesis for my master's was in organic food production so that's my passion and my vision and connecting food and wine and having guests on site and being able to walk and look at that garden, which is uh, vegetable garden, orchard, free-range chickens, beehives, olive groves, and estate red lambs. So that whole agri-dining thing. And and we own that space. We pioneered that in 2007. I was going to say, you're ahead of your time in that space. Yeah, Yeah. definitely. And, you know, people are jumping on board a lot more now, which is is great. Um, Yeah. Mm. Yep. I think, I think what's so cool about your story is that, and, and now it's, it's really interesting to see with your family as well, people think it's about what you do and coming back to mm-hmm. our original conversation about why you started this, it's not really what you do, it's, it's your purpose mm-hmm. and you can always tie something back in your business to that. 
And if you can tie it back to your purpose, it's probably going to be more successful. It could be mm. cutting edge, like your agri kitchen that mm. you set up. Mm. So, um, I'm really fascinated to see where, you, where your children take it as well, mm. with, with their different experience and, and mm. outlook on life. Yeah, um, and, and I've said we've it. sort of said to the next generation. So, if they want jobs in the business or opportunities in the business, I always say, send me your CV and I'll <laughs> let you know if you get an interview. Um, but, you know, I would love, you know, and Andrew is probably, has probably been more, uh, his, his view for the vision, um, his vision for the future would be more around him training them. Mm. But mine would be, I would love it to look like something, I don't even know what it looks like, mm. because that would be reflective of mm. the current market and their generation. And that's mm. really where they're going to cool. take it. I like it. So, that's awesome. It, it needs to look like, and I'm okay with it. I yeah. love change. Mm. That's awesome. Make it something that I don't even know what that looks like. Yeah, yeah. that's, that's so exciting. So speaking of, of change then, so going back then to when you started with the restaurant and everything, what was that journey like going from just being a wine producer to the wine tourism side? We're having the cellar door and having the restaurant, the restaurant. And, and all of that. Yeah, yeah um, so basically we, we were in business for maybe 10 years as in just selling wine through mm. distribution channels and we found frustratingly there's a, been a whole lot of changes in um, sale of wine mm. over since when we launched to now mm. and now like wine is so cutthroat it's so competitive when you've got the emergence of the big retail chains the Dan Murphy's yeah. etc yeah so competitive, so hard, so hard to get shelf space. Mm. So it's not a foregone conclusion that you get shelf space. You have mm. to buy shelf space. Wow. Um, yeah, right. Battle of the margins. Yeah. Yeah. Um, even on, on restaurants, sometimes yeah. you've got to buy your listing for yeah. some of those big volume restaurants. Wow. wow. That's crazy. It's crazy. That is so, so crazy. Yeah. yeah, so it's a very competitive world in terms of that. Yeah. What was your question again? <laughs> <laughs> what was the journey like transitioning from just producing oh, yeah. wine to... Okay, right. Yeah. Perfect. So so when, you know, the we, we make the wine here, we grow the grapes. It's all estate grown, estate made. So mm. we grow the grapes, we make the wine, we send it off. And then you rely on an almost Chinese whispers mm. from this person to this person to this person to the consumer. And sometimes along that way, like if you are in a bottle shop buying your own wine or at a restaurant and you don't declare who you are, but you'll yeah. just say, oh, this wine's interesting. Tell me something about that. Sure. Mm. It's like not even close, man. Not even close. <laughs> so we wouldn't say that, but that's just like, oh, wow, that's, that's amazing. So what we found is we had a real disconnect <laughs> between... Um, between our product and our consumer. We didn't oh. know them anymore. We were yeah. so too many hands, too, too sure. many once removed. Yep. So we thought, right, the time is right to do this thing now and we will invite our wine lovers to the home yeah. of Margan mm. and then we get to tell our story firsthand. Yeah. Yeah. They get to stand in the space, there's the vineyard, mm. enjoy it with that food Amazing. and this is the story yeah. from us and you get to connect. Mm. So for us, that brand connection is the best bit of marketing you can do. Yeah, mm. I think that's so true. And what that does is, I mean, it, it adds value to everything you're doing. I mean, like you said, selling your product in a bottle shop, you can't control the way the mm. consumer is experiencing that. Yeah. And strangely enough, like, I, I love my wine. 
I always think it tastes better when, when I've bought it from a cellar door that I've Definitely. done a tasting at. <laughs> Wine and context. Yeah. yeah, for sure. It, it brings back the memories and yeah. the time that you were having when, yeah. you, when, when you were tasting that wine yeah. the first time. I have so. no idea what I'm looking at when I go into a bottle shop. I, I, there's, <laughs> no. there's, you know, a hundred confusing. bottles in front of me and I yeah. think, well, that one. <laughs> I like I, that label. I sometimes yeah. have no idea what yeah. I'm looking at and I think I've been around wine for 30 years yeah. um, and I've actually got some reasonable wine qualifications myself these days but I think it must be so perplexing for the mm, average yep. consumer yep. staring at a wall of wine. It's like, I don't know, I just need a bottle of wine for dinner. I'd like yeah. that one, <laughs> yeah. that one. That, I don't know. I don't know where to go. So how, how do you differentiate yourself to, from all these other people then? Is it is it just having that brand connection and having the cellar door and people coming in but, or, or is there something else to it as well? All, all of that. Yeah. So, so definitely that. So mm. um, <clears throat> you, you, you get that nice connection here and mm. then people hopefully go away seek that out in a bottle shop, seek that out for mm. a restaurant wine mm. list yep. and think, oh, that's right. Oh, we had that. Oh, yeah, that's right. We did that in The Hunter. How great. Mm. Yeah, let's get that. Yeah, sure. So that's gold yeah. because that's, that's an emotional connection as well. Definitely. <coughs> Pardon definitely. me. And when you're sort of in a, you know, vineyards are always pretty scenic. You mm. know, oh, show, yeah. show me an ugly wine region. I've yet <laughs> yeah. to see one. <laughs> so, you know, you're admiring actually one year ago this was not pretty because we were all on fire and smoke. So that oh, that, that wasn't a great yeah. that wasn't a fun time for anyone. But yeah, yeah. but on the whole, romantic you're Absolutely. possibly on holidays, you're mm. possibly with, you know, loved ones, mates, family. So you've got all those nice emotional things possibly happening. Possibly a little bit drunk. I was just going to say, <laughs> then you just add some alcohol and it cements the good times a little bit. So that's yeah. kind of, that is powerful brand building. Definitely. So long as the experience right. is great. Right. Um, and then And then all your marketing subsequent to that needs to... Um, reinforce it yeah, and inform yeah. the same sort of thing. Yeah, so yeah. you have to make sure that every touch point of your marketing mm. supports yeah, the, the one message that you're trying to mm. um, reinforce, I guess. So how much effort, or I'm, I'm assuming a lot, but I've always wondered what goes into naming a wine or designing <laughs> the label of a oh wine. Oh, my gosh, don't how even much, stop. How many iterations of a bottle label do you uh, go through? <laughs> that can happen. So, and every now yeah. and again... Um, because we've had okay, so we've had a couple of different label designs. When mm, we sure. first started, the, the designer we used was um, she actually designed the Commonwealth Bank logo, which is the funny Vegemite on the piece of right, toast. Okay. She did that same one. She's Victorian, right. um, so she designed it. Was it had stripes on the label because. I don't know, we just liked stripes and yeah. so, yep. um, and then she created the logo, a unique logo Margan nice. and really at the end of the day, that is the strongest element yep. for our branding yeah. and then when we've added extra lines or extra sort of ranges, um, premiumization was a big thing that happened our, sure. in our business, mm. so obviously getting people to buy up to a different price point yeah. and then we can do a few extra things in the winery that cost a bit more. Um, so mm. then how to differentiate those wines from the other version yeah. or the other range without um, devaluing the yeah. first range. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So there's all exactly of those right. sort of things. So yeah. yeah, and every now and again, you know, someone says, how about like this? And goodness, you can look at wine labels and think, oh, wouldn't that be cool? But again, mm. you know, if you're getting away from what you know, yeah. Literally 25 years of an, a recognised kind of look and feel. Yeah, you can make the slightest change, and then it freaks people out because they've been Absolutely. buying that yeah. wine yeah. for a long time. True. It's like, why is that? That that normally doesn't yeah. say that. So, for example, we've started labelling our vineyards 
for our premium wines to mm. connect it to vineyard. Yeah, right. Um, which our wines have always been single vineyard wines, mm. but yeah. there is a, a real um, awareness around provenance mm. for the consumer, connecting sure. your food and your wine mm. to the place of production. Yeah, so right. we've decided to do that and we've created yeah. sort of a visual maps in our tasting areas as well. Right. So you can say those grapes grown there on that soil because there's differences. Yeah. So you grow that on red volcanic soil, yeah. that wine is going to look slightly different mm. to growing it on grey podzolic or river loam. Yeah, wow. Really different profiles. And then we can introduce those conversations to our yeah. um, consumer. Yep. Stylistically, this Chardonnay will look like that because yep. of the soil it's grown on. Wow. And then the things that we're doing in the winery that will make it um, change the palate weight or the texture or some nuances around that. Mm, um, so cool. And then that's why that tastes like that and this tastes like that. Yeah. yeah so I love winemaking. It's making so me thirsty. Oh, no, <laughs> <laughs> It is pretty cool. It's science, yeah. um, but it's yeah. art too. Yeah. Um, a lot of subjectivity around that. It's just yeah. like cooking. It's, it's just like cooking. Science and an exactly. art. Exactly, yeah. science and yeah. arts. It all kind of comes mm. together. So it is, it's mm. It's a pretty cool industry for all of that. Mm. So, you know, that it is underpinned firmly by science, mm. um, but then there is also that, that lovely freehand expression that you get mm. to do. Um, yeah. So speaking of soil and science... Mm. I did notice there's a very strong focus on sustainability. Yeah. And you said before that your daughter is, is pushing towards being organic. Mm -hmm. So tell us about how that is impacting the wine industry at the moment and what you guys are doing yeah. around that. So again, we're pretty pioneering in that space. Yeah. So we launched... Um, uh, so we, we are certified sustainably farmed. What does that mean? It basically means you need to follow an EMP, an environmental management plan. Sure. We've been doing that for a decade. Yep. We've in fact always done it because we feel that because we own the land, you've got a real responsibility about leaving it at yes. least do no harm. Yeah. Yeah. So either leaving it in better condition or at least not worse. Mm. Yeah. Um, and, and that was informed a bit. We had a couple of, of our vineyard workers and actually one of our first uh, gardeners who ran the kitchen garden, um, first generation Wanarua. So this, this Broke Fortich Valley is very rich in yeah. First Nation history. Yeah, mm. cool. So up the end of the road, we've got Biami Cave, 10,000 year old cave, wow. amazing. Yeah. Um, and because Pat worked for us, she would always be reminding us that the, she she ran around this property as a barefoot kid. So wow. Yeah, there's a responsibility to it. 100%, yeah. 100% responsibility around yeah. that. So that made you think, okay, do yeah. no harm here. Yeah. And then if we're doing no harm, if we're working off that base, how do we do better? Yeah. So, okay, yeah. if we're already doing that, let, let's actually put some um, parameters around it and become certified, right? Yeah. What's that going to look like? Okay, mm. so follow an environmental management plan. Yeah. So we got a consultant on board for that because yep. a lot of stuff around measuring your carbon mm -hmm. outputs, yep. um, it, yeah, Quite some, technical, mm. some complication, not mm. complications, but it's technical. Yes, mm. it's technical. Yeah. Um, and if you're getting it certified, you, you can't BS any of that. Mm. So mm. people who just prattle off, you know, we're, we're organic or we're this, yeah. that, the other, without any certification around that, yeah. makes me roll my eyes a little. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Only because it yeah. devalues those who go through mm. that process. Sure. Yeah, um, sure. So that's what sustainability is about. So our 
environmental management plan is basic follows the four pillars of environmental sustainability which mm. is working towards reducing your greenhouse emissions mm -hmm. so obviously 25,000 cases of wine and vineyard mm. there's some carbon emissions from that process sure. mm. yeah. so how do we negate those yeah conserving water this is all mm. We're not, we're not even on connected to mains, running a business of this size wow. on roof water. Wow. Easy when it rains, not so easy yeah. after three years of drought, yeah. so you're having, having to buy in water. Yeah. Um, uh, minimising your energy, so yeah. solar panels on the winery. Yeah. Um, on a sunny day like today, we don't draw an amp from the grid. It's amazing. Uh, it is yeah. amazing. So we're just waiting for the technology to improve a bit more in re regards to a battery. Yeah, yeah. storage. Yeah. Battery to store yeah, no. mm. um, the surplus. Yeah. Um, and then minimising waste to landfill. So we recycle everything. Yeah. Um, green waste obviously goes to chickens and yeah, compost. Beautiful. We've got what's called a closed loop composter, very expensive, 30000 bit of equipment which yeah. handles protein waste and that's a, yeah, that's wow. a real that's a big deal out of a restaurant yeah. what to do with that if that goes to landfill that's just creates some really nasty methane yep. stuff when yep. you bury mm. food absolutely. waste absolutely so if you can deal with your food waste um, and turn that around pretty fast yep. so that we deal with that on site um, awesome. we've got a glass crusher obviously recycling cardboard plastic batteries wow. literally to landfill and that's a real measurable when you yeah. measure how many um, skips go or, or bin sure. um, mm. collections goes from that down to like one a fortnight wow. for a business this size yeah. it's pretty amazing that so yeah, that's yeah. yeah so that's what our EMP does and then for organic that's one step more so no artificial synthetically produced pesticides weedicides yeah. um, fertilizers mm. and then once we get good at that um, biodynamic will be the next step as well which is yeah. basically uh, taps into I say a bit, bit of science a bit of witchcraft yeah, um, yeah. taps into the lunar cycles sure. um, <laughs> so planting harvesting etc and things you do to plants around that yep. and then also creation of um, potions um, etc wow. which um, strengthen the immunity of the plant yep. and enhance soil health so yeah. So it's kind of like they're the stages, if that yep. makes sense, from yeah. sustainable yep. farming to organic and then biodynamic. So That's amazing. I think in in years to come, we will probably look back right now and think, yeah. how the hell did we use glyphosate yeah. on, on anything yeah. like yeah. DDT, like asbestos? Mm. Yeah. We'll get back to that absolutely. place when we just mm. think, oh my God, everyone sprayed it on everything. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. I think you're right. I, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, I think. Like it's it's good to hear that you made that investment and what is potentially happening from you jumping in early into the sustainability mindset is that you're probably going to find it's going to be a competitive advantage for you because definitely you're ahead will, of the curve yeah. Yeah, yeah because that it's a large upfront investment and obviously yeah. a big change in mindset and and systems but it will save you so much in costs as well because yeah, I mean electricity and um, waste is not cheap and no, it probably will right. only get more expensive yeah, yeah. too. So the cost efficiencies around things like that do negate the extra investment mm. in, in regards to other things. So to go yeah. organic, we've had to buy new toys for the vineyard because you can't spray for weeds. So yeah. then it's, and this is, look, we should have started this three years ago when it was in the drought. Mm, Doesn't right. rain, there's no weeds, there's no disease pressure yeah. from yeah. mold and mildew. True. But no, no, we wait till the rainy season <laughs> to go organic. So all of a sudden it's like, and we like a, 
pristine, tidy yep. presentation of this property. But it's like, <laughs> right, can't spray. Right, what do we need? And then disease pressure, you can't yeah, spray. So tough, you've just got yeah. to um, go through the vineyard by hand, cut out any mould or mildew yeah. out of grapes, off leaves, yeah. um, off the rose bushes, all mm. of those sort of things. So all the things that you've traditionally yeah. done for a long time, yeah. All of a sudden, your hands are tied. It's like, yeah. oh, God, I can't use that anymore. But you're going through this now, and I guess um, you're getting ahead of the curve. Yeah, of yeah. All of the other vineyards yeah. that might not be. So, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, mm. and there's definitely a marketing advantage in terms of um, spots on wine lists or shelf mm. in retail definitely. for organic biodynamic mm, um, the consumer really loves that it's, yeah. it's funny because it's still alcohol which has a toxicity <laughs> yeah. especially in in excess True. and you know people it, it's a funny thing because they're not demanding it necessarily of the, the food in that restaurant yeah but yeah. they're wanting it in their the wine. wine it's <laughs> so sometimes it's a little bit like Hmm, okay, or you know, the question around so is that, yeah, yeah, all of that. Yeah. Um, is that vegan friendly? Um, and most of our wine is because um, we've, we've now moved away from using anything that might be animal based, mm. which is only for um, sometimes filtration and fining. Mm. Um, so we've moved away from that, but you, you would ask, like, you get asked that question in the restaurant. Yeah. But they're not on the vegan <laughs> yeah. menu. Yeah. <laughs> so they're eating lamb. Yeah, they're having a That's lamb a, in it. <laughs> they're having a lamb, a big plate of it. That's right. So all, oh. all power to the vegans. But sometimes it, it, it it's yeah. a funny. Okay, it is funny. You know, lamb is you know it's an animal. Yeah. <laughs> is okay. this wine cruelty free? No. Uh, where's my lamb, please? Well, <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yes. Oh, funny. Lamb of all things too. They're the cutest. Yeah, ones. I know. Oh, you should see our lambs on this property right now. Right. We have the cutest lambs. Oh, God. I wish yeah. lamb was called something different when it was on your plate because oh. I just think they're the cutest animals but the best tasting meat. <laughs> we've got the cute. We've got all these twins at the moment oh. and because we've got a Suffolk ram and a, and a Dorper mother, we're getting black and white combinations. Oh. Some are spotty and, and they frolic in the grass oh. and it's oh, just so divine, cute. so cute. But oh. you, but you know what? If you, if you eat meat, you need to look your lunch in the eye. Yeah, That's, absolutely. That is what the thing is, and you need to make yeah. good consumer choices around. Um, I totally agree. Proper animal husbandry yeah. and mm. proper humane proce processing as well. Yeah, absolutely. The word I call it. Do you think you'll push more in that direction, the the food production side of things? Or yeah, and we, and we and we do anyway. So in yeah. terms of the restaurant, all of our. Um, supplier decisions mm. are based around sustainability sure. so yeah. mm. we use line caught fish only yeah. um, clearly we're not coastal here so yeah. um, but we would um, limit our seafood supply to like Port Stephens yeah, or sure. like just up the coast just down the coast cool. just because again that's minimizing freighting and mm. movement mm. around yep. um, and then in terms of everything else basically um, chef and I write the menus around whatever we're harvesting out of the garden so yeah, wow. you keep it seasonal and local yeah. because we see it, it mm. we're picking it mm. and then it's going on the menu and mm. when it's run out then we put something else on the menu yeah. yeah so that's how that goes and then apart from that we use local farm producers from yeah, cool. within this region yeah, yeah. yeah. So i think that's something around. that a lot of people forget as well like trying to be sustainable isn't just your business it's the people you are in business with Correct. and, yeah. and searching for what they're doing True. yeah um it's True. another fascinating bit yeah. so something that i was that we'd like to ask as well is over this long period what would you attribute 
your success to and, and maybe what mm. um, mistakes have you made along the way? Yeah. Um, look, the COVID thing or the whole thing? The whole just, thing. Uh, just, the whole thing. Okay, yeah, so the really, journey. really challenging time was probably five years into our business and we were winning all sorts of awards, just like hot young brand. Mm. We're like, boring and middle-aged now but we're <laughs> we were a hot young brand once yeah. <laughs> hot young brand once upon a time um and we expanded into a couple of other new south wales um regions tumbarumba kunabara brand orange yeah. high altitude regions and mm. we worked with a couple of growers who were really pioneering and so this is two decades ago mm. had planted these vineyards and the fruit was next level fabulous so we made wines out of that the first wine we made one best wine in new south wales just bam and then cleaned up in wine shows so all of a sudden we're like this is great problem with that was these are all red wines not our vineyards so we had to buy the fruit Mm. buy the oak Mm. and weren't selling those wines for two years the cash flow suck on our business we did did not see that coming Yeah. yeah we just about went out of business being wow. the, the young hot brand. Yeah. Wow. So that was yeah. such a like, what what just wow. happened there? So wow. all of a sudden we're just like looking at our cash flow thinking, yep. mm. great payments, like we had a million dollar great payment and we're not going to see that for two years. Oh, yeah. That's so just great. Massive investment. All of that oak you're looking at, yeah. um, $1,200 a barrel. Yeah. Mm. So it all goes in new um, oak, French, usually American as well. So all of those imports yeah. were early on in the piece yeah. and your ROI was mm. way down the line. So I think, and that's a fairly common uh, story as well with new business. Yeah. The cash flow, very early on, they realize this, whatever it is, either they've got yeah. you know grapes to purchase mm. that they're not going to see the return on or inventory or whatever it yeah. is, mm. cash flow just becomes that big problem. So All the of a sudden, they don't the business, realize it. Yeah. Yeah. And also, we, we realized that we couldn't control um, the the those vineyards. So Andrew mm. would always have to go out there sure. and he's like, oh, these people have not pruned it correctly right. now. Right. So he'd have to go and spend time showing them. Mm. And then sometimes the quality, if he'd left instructions, mm. like we prune back pretty hard right. because um, low yielding vines make more concentrated fruit, yeah. Yeah. which makes more concentrated wine. Yeah. So that's how he needs to see it. They're a yeah. grape grower. They need to see yield. And yeah, volume. they want a lot yeah. of grapes. Yeah. So we've got a we've got a volume versus you know quality. True. Yeah, two different things, two True. different goals. True. So we've realised okay, what we're valuing is not what you're valuing. Yeah. Um, and then we and we got too big, and we just yeah. thought we we can't do this. It's yeah. it, our brains are divided into too many places. Yeah. We're across too many things, and the cash flow we just thought mm. yeah. can't can't do that so we ended up we did that for about four years and then just went no that's not what we're doing okay. we got rid of all of our contract winemaking as well yeah. Yeah. Um, because that was whilst that's you know there's the advantages around that but then if we win a trophy at a wine show but the client doesn't mm. it's like oh so you win it for yourself but why not us True. well yeah. well that's vineyard specific that's your fruit this is my fruit yeah. so yeah. So there were there were all these other things coming yeah, into the plan. Yeah. It's like you know what we just need to be yep. our own bosses, independent nice. of all of these other variables that mm. we can't control. And yeah. if that means 
um, doing changing the nature of the business, we have to work out how else do we get yep. vintage cash flow it has yeah. to come in a different way. So yeah, yeah. yeah wow. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that's something that you know, with this industry, you're going to see a lot of ups and downs. As you said, it's seasonal. It depends on if the grapes are growing. If there's bushfires, that's a problem. Uh, yeah. yeah. Let's mm. just say there's export problems to China. <laughs> that's a problem. That's, uh, that's right. Mm. And once upon yeah. a time, to your point of export, yeah. we. I remember saying to Andrew, we can sell every bottle of wine we make to the to the US. Yeah. Like, couldn't get enough of it. Wow. And then someone flew planes through buildings. Yeah. And wow. Instantly, it changed. Yeah, wow. The whole landscape changed. Wow. So, that was also our lesson of, yeah. um, in terms of spreading your risk. Yeah. Um, in terms yeah. of your revenue yeah. streams. Yeah. 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 So, we now export to, you know, up and down 12, 15 export yep. markets. Yeah. China yeah. was part of that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. I think that's off the table now. Yeah. Especially <laughs> after Andrew was interviewed on the ABC last week. Oh, really? went, oh, there you go. I don't think we were selling to China for a little while. So, um, there you go. Yeah. So, so that's interesting. So, yeah. th- this year, this COVID year, when we all had, you know, eight hours heads up to yeah. close our business, with that, every revenue stream um, went. So, yeah. Uh, we sold a lot of wine to, mm. you know, the Ruby Princess and Carnival oh. <laughs> Cruises. It's like, pretty sure that's gone for a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So cruise liners, all of our aircraft contracts yeah. went mm. and we had it all labelled for them as well. Wow. Um, export markets shut, domestic wholesale yeah. to every other licensed cafe and restaurant. Yeah. Wow. And... Um, I know we've got a, a group about to come in here now, <laughs> so I have to wrap up in a second. School children. Yeah. Um, yeah, school children come here to learn about sustainability. Yeah, that's yeah. great. <laughs> that's so good. Well, I think that's probably a good place then for us to end because the group's yep. coming to sit in. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I was hoping to make some sort of joke about margin on your wine and ah, margin. Margin. Uh, yeah, so hopefully you're very focused on your margins. Yes, yeah. focus well. on our mar- margins, <laughs> yes. We do. Uh, yeah. it, was, it was it was great having you on the podcast. Your story is fascinating. I can't wait to see what happens next. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go try and find your wine in every shop I go to. Perfect. I'm, I'm going to go. go taste someday. Margin, yeah. margin, it's a bargain. Look at that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> to your point of margins. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Perfect. Well, uh, thanks thanks for coming. Thank you thanks for sharing. Thanks for having us. Pleasure. Yeah. Pleasure. Any old time. You can tune in in five years' time. We'll see what the next generation are up to. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Great uh, idea. Watch with interest. There you go. Fantastic. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Well, thanks for, thanks for coming on. Pleasure. Calculator.